look around everything that you do with your product and your business and figure out if you can make the thing or buy the thing recycled. You'll be shocked at how much impact you can have in a fairly low effort way. It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you solve your marketing problems and grow your e-commerce business. Cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and advice from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello and welcome. It's great to have you here. Thank you for hitting play and choosing to listen to one of our inspiring guests. And before we get to that guest, I just want to say a massive thank you to Brad Hem from Big Commerce for the introduction to this awesome guest. If it wasn't for him, uh, we wouldn't have Saloni on the episode today. So thank you, Brad. Thank you, Big Commerce team and audience. You are going to be really glad we got that recommendation. In this episode, we're talking to a B2B e-commerce brand who's going to be sharing loads of great advice on how to build a better e-commerce business in general, how to build a better B2B e-commerce business, and also sharing lots of tips around easy ways to make your business more sustainable, right from the fact that she knows an awful lot about packaging through to some of those top tips at the end are truly genius. So, Really cool to have this guest on board. I thoroughly enjoyed chatting with her and um, you are going to be super... I challenge you not to be inspired by the time you get to the end of the episode. So as I said, please do listen to the end of the episode so you don't miss out on my guest top tips and my own take on this episode. Are you tying up capital with goods that take months to arrive? Let Trade pay your supplier invoices for you and then pay them back up to four months later. No security, no dilution, no more cash flow headaches. Pay only a transparent flat fee with each financed invoice. Learn more or apply to see if Trade can help your business grow at ecmp.info forward slash trade. That's ecmp.info forward slash T-R-E-Y-D. So that's Trade spelled T-R-E-Y-D. And now to introduce our special guest. Saloni Doshi is the CEO and Chief Sustainability Geek at Eco Enclose, a B2B e-commerce store selling sustainable packaging solutions on the big commerce platform. Founded in 2015, they now do over $25 million a year. And in 2022 alone, brands using their products saved 15,000 tonnes of emissions, 12,000 acres of forest and a whopping 21 million gallons of water. That is some impressive impact. Hello, Saloni. Hi there. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome to have you here. And um, thank you for helping so many of our audience and people like our audience to make such a positive impact with their packaging. It must be it must be quite overwhelming seeing those numbers. Oh, it's always, it's fun. It was particularly fun the last couple of years because they get really big and it's, we actually do this thing where we send individual brands their eco reports. And that's also really fun to give, especially some of our bigger brands, like here's how much you've saved in particular. So it's a, it's a great part of the job. Oh, wow. So it's, you can drill it down to almost individual orders. 
That's very, very cool. Rather than me geeking out about that, how did you end up running this B2B e-commerce business? How did you get into e-commerce? Yeah, probably a little differently than a lot of folks listening. I, uh, my husband and I actually bought the business. And so it was around, well, the concept of it was around with a, a really small, small portfolio of products. Um, and the woman who started it, her name was Erin Kimmett. And she just started it as a little bit of a, like, she had a cloth diapers brand and she was trying to ship her cloth diapers and didn't want to ship cloth diapers and virgin poly film from China. So she in- created this 100% recycled poly mailer. And then she was like, I don't want to do this anymore. She lived fairly close by. My husband at the time was really looking for a business to buy and I was not very interested. Um, and some of the businesses he looked at were like a candy company. Like there were some businesses I would never have, you know, gone in on. But when we met Aaron and learned about eco and clothes, it was exactly right. And met a lot of the business things that he needed. And obviously for me, I needed a good business. But for me at the time, I was in sustainable agriculture, helping organic farms transition to, or sorry, helping monocrop farms transition to organic farming. And so eco and clothes was like this intersection of sustainability, innovation, packaging, e-commerce, which was so nascent at the time. Um, So I was like, okay, if this is the business, we're both going to run it together. So really a, a perfect scenario, someone who knew what they were doing had started it and then it met your husband's criteria and your criteria. It's kind of like the perfect match. Exactly. Yeah, it was wonderful. It has been wonderful. Ups and downs, but overall wonderful. There's always ups and downs in e-commerce and there's so many ups and downs over the last couple of years. It's been a, It's been an interesting one. So Tell us a little bit more about the business. Where in the world are you and who? where are your customers based? Yeah, we're based in Colorado. So our headquarters is here. Um, we manufacture actually the vast majority of our things, uh, our, our packaging in the U.S. So we work with about 25 different manufacturing facilities across the U.S. We also manufacture and print in-house. Um, and then I would say about... of our customers are in the U.S., but all across the U.S. And then we do service quite a few Canadian customers as well. And we're starting to get more of a presence in Europe. And it's been really interesting because obviously the supply chains of our companies are so global. And so I'd say in the last year, we have started to expand our manufacturing footprint to include Asia so that where our companies are manufacturing, you know, in China, in India, we can supply them with wholesale packaging as well. So gradually, Actually, our, our reach has been creeping outward and outward to be more global. Because you do a, a vast range of kind of products off the shelf, as it were, and then you've got the personalized element as well. So how have you gone about working out how where to expand and, and what to adapt into? You know, you just mentioned you're doing the wholesale packaging now as well. Yeah, a lot of it comes from demand. So I say we always start with the framework for sustainability. So we don't want to stock anything that doesn't meet that framework. But then, and and then we recognize that, right, just to ship, if you're an e-commerce brand, you need, you might need boxes, you might need, you def, if you have boxes, you need tape, you might need a mailer and those mailers can be paper or poly. So there's some basics, right? But then we start, we have a lot of conversation with our brands. Like we're probably the highest touch packaging provider a, a company could work with. And so they're just asking for things. So, you know, a year and a half ago, they were like, hey, I need recycled hang tags. I can't get recycled hang tags and I can't get plastic free hang tags. So all of a sudden we're in hang tags. Um, The inner packaging, the wholesale packaging I was just describing, the fashion world is really focused on what we call like the poly bag problem, right? That every piece of article of clothing comes in the single use virgin poly bag. And people have been starting to engage us in that. And it said, okay, well, we got to help figure out this problem. And so it created this line of wholesale packaging. So most of our expansion just comes from listening to our customers and seeing, okay, where's the biggest market gap as well as the biggest sustainability gap that we need to help solve. 
Got you. And obviously, I, as the audience know, I love the fact you're doing it based on customer feedback. That is always brilliant. But you mentioned what I guess is, you know, one of the most complicated things about your business. You can't just go and buy some Virgin Poly something to fill the gap. You've quite often got to invent it from scratch or, or go out and source it and find it. And you mentioned something I really wanted to talk to you about, which is your framework for sustainability, which having had a quick look at it on your website, seems to be kind of a, a, an aid to the decision-making process. Tell us a bit about it, how you came up with it and how it helps the business make decisions. Yeah, um, I don't want to get too geeky, so stop me if I'm going too far. Um, but yeah, you know, when we took over the business, it was tiny. There were just a couple people working here and it had one or two product lines. And it was like, okay, everybody's selling, Eco Enclosed is selling a couple really interesting sustainable products. As we started to expand, what we realized is that our brands and frankly, other our manufacturing partners and other packaging providers were sort of interested in, and I don't mean this in a mean way, but they were just interested in sticking a green label on a lot of things. And so, you know, we've come to this world where just a cardboard or a shipping box is considered, quote unquote, sustainable because it's curbside recyclable. And that doesn't that didn't quite sit well with me. So it caused us that was about five years ago, I guess, caused us to say we got to figure out if we're going to expand what counts as sustainable in our or more sustainable in our book. And what are we going to sort of leave by the wayside? And that caused us to basically create a set of criteria that we're trying to maximize as we design new packaging. And so a lot of it is centered around this concept of circularity. So how, what is it going to take to make packaging truly circular? And for us, it's use as little material to make the packaging as possible. And then as much of that material, make it from waste or make it from packaging. We always say like, wouldn't it be great if all packaging could be made from packaging? So right, make it with recycled content and then make it as easy to recycle back into packaging in its next life. Um, and then we've also expanded into reusable packaging as well. So in the situations where re reusable is interesting and makes sense in e-commerce, let's try to also have reusable options that minimize the waste that's created. So those are all, and then we have a lot of like more smaller, really geeky parts to our framework, which are like, have it be manufactured as close to possible where it's used, have the waste come domestically so that we can build our own, you know, domestic recycling supply chain, um, ethical supply chain, making sure that we're, you know, paying everybody across the supply chain well. So there's a lot of different elements. And every time we expand into a new product set, we say, okay, is it going to meet these? It's never meeting them perfectly, right? Nothing is perfectly circular today, but it helps us debate the trade-offs. And we've said no to a lot of things that don't meet the framework in our book. And then we've said yes to things that aren't perfect, but we're like, okay, it's the best option out there in terms of meeting our framework. That was a brilliant explanation. You definitely didn't get too geeky. And within that, you kind of summed up exactly why I wanted to talk about it, which is I think there's this, it's so confusing for people to work out what is and isn't sustainable. And I think most, I think, I'm thinking, listening to you, I need to create a sustainability framework in my business to work out which bits I care more about, because it, it, it must just fast track the decision making process. You know, you're not reinventing the wheel every time you go, oh, we need to do this. Oh, cardboard or recycled plastic? Or do we care more about the end use than we do about the creation process or where over you know, source of materials, it must speed up product development hugely for you. Yeah, it, it helps us say no to a lot of things. And it helps us say, okay, this thing is not perfect, but we know it needs to get better. And here's exactly how, right? So if we have right now our bubble mailers, for example, are only 50% recycled. They're domestically made. We're excited about the progress we've made, but we know that the end vision is that they should be 100% recycled. So it, it helps in a lot of ways. It also helps to say where, where are the gaps. Um, and then your, your one thing I'll mention, the, the one 
a lot of brands are even more focused. Like when we work with brands who have their sustainability framework, they're almost even more specific than ours because we know that we have to service 20,000 brands this year. And so we haven't made a call that we're, we're definitely not going to sell plastic or we're definitely only going to do paper or only doing do plastic. You know, what we know to be true about the plastic versus paper debate is that recycled plastic has a much lower carbon footprint, but recycled paper is more circular and it's curbside recyclable and not going to create marine plastic. Pollution. I don't consider it my judgment call to say, hey, brands, you should choose one or the other. What we say is we want to stock all of these things. We want to make sure we can get people boxes, paper mailers, plastic mailers, but let's make them as much as high in accordance to our framework as possible. So every time, you know, when you go to our site, you should be like, okay, if you see a product, you know that that product was designed as close to circular as possible, if that makes sense. That makes total sense because I think it it's one of the roles those of us who are helping other businesses become more sustainable, part of the role is not about making people feel bad about their decisions, but helping them along the journey towards it. You know, so if a brand comes to you and they can only cope with plastic at the moment, at least that's better than what they were doing before. And then you can help them reach, you're there for them when they're ready to make the move to the next best, best option. And it was something I wanted to ask you about is there seems to be plenty of content on your your website about learning i think learn as a category is as prominent as buy on your site so do you you know do you have to spend a lot of time helping and educating your customer not just about what packaging they need but about the sustainability side of it as well we do i'll say one thing just from like i guess in some ways this is now becoming a marketing lens. It didn't start that way. But I think what a lot of people say to us is they come to our site, they sort of like peruse a little bit there, say, oh my God, there's so much information here. I know I can learn. And then instead of actually taking the time to learn, they they feel like we have done the job of building trust, that we are experts. And then they say, okay, well, they seem to know what they're talking about. So now I don't actually have to read all of these resources myself or get educated myself. I just know I can call Eco and Close and they'll tell me the answer and I trust them. So in some ways, like a lot of effort has been put into those resources, but I don't think they get a lot of reading so much as that they create in 99% of people, they just create an aura of trust. So it's just an interesting thing I've learned. That said, what we do know to be true is that the customers that do call us, they really get excited about engaging a nuanced sort of level of conversation that they wouldn't have with anybody else. And then certainly the people that take the time to read all of those resources, like they're usually customers for life. I mean, they're in it. <laughs> like, we get it. We understand it. But I love that. The the aura of trust that the content is like, well, these guys clearly know what they're talking about because they've written a load about it. And, and what's interesting is most of the content that is written, the research has been done for our own purposes, right? So when I have to make a decision about, am I willing to go with a virgin paper mailer? And the answer is no. I had to do weeks of research to figure this out. And instead of just doing the research and it's done, I turn the research into a white paper so that other people can see why I made the decision. So there's a lot of you know, sort of selfish motivation behind what's written. And then we just share it with the world and a small percentage of people actually yeah. read it. I, I love, it's something I keep finding in the sustainability space is if you get stuck on something, someone else has probably already done the research and you're kind of like that solution in the packaging space. You are a B2B business selling to other businesses. And whenever we get a B2B e-commerce um, business on the site, I'm always really interested to understand the interplay between the offline sale in inverted commas you know the person who's phoning up or who you you're proactively talking to via a non-website channel and the amount of sales that come through on the website do you find it's 
easy to balance those two things? Do you find customer behaviors changing? How is it working for you? That is the question. <laughs> it is so interesting that you're asking because it's really during COVID and after COVID, we've, we've made some concerted, not changes at all, but we've sort of made some concerted, or we've now recognized that this is changing. So five years ago, I would say that the vast majority of our sales and actually the, the vast majority of revenue and the vast majority of orders came from people whose interaction with us felt very B2C, right? Even though they were businesses at the other end, they treated us as if they, we were Amazon or Staples. They go in, they order their packaging, and then they are in our system. And a small percentage of people were big brands. And now over 50% of our revenue comes from the larger brands who have a very high touch relationship with us, though it's still only about 20% of our, maybe 10% of our orders. Um, and so certainly our business is shifting. And so now our teams are actually shifting. So it used to be five years ago that our customer service team was very transactional. And now we're actually, and, and we had a sales team and now we have a sales team. It's much bigger than it used to be. They have deep relationships with brands that are, you know, fortune 1000 brands up and coming big D to C company or like ritual is a big customer of ours. We talk about them a lot. They talk about us a lot. Companies like that, that need a lot of handhold holding a lot of customization. But our customer service team is actually now getting trained in how do you account manage? Because we realize even in that space, we want more and more high-touch relationships with brands, even if they're only spending a couple thousand dollars with us. We really have a lot of opportunity to grow with them and deepen our relationship with them if we know them the same way we know it on the sales side. So our, we've made a concerted effort this year to shift our entire business to we are all account managing and we are all going to treat our customers as businesses who need some handholding and would really desire some high touch connection. No, I so the the growth in the bigger companies caring and having to build out that that pure account management side of the business has led to an improvement in the service for the smaller businesses. That's kind of cool. It's like a a big circle. Have you found that's changing the way you put the products forwards on the website is the website becoming more of a research tool than a checkout tool or are they the same thing um it's a good question uh we we're in the midst of a website redesign at the moment and it's the question we always ask which is like are we are we designing for conversion or are we designing for education and engagement that leads to an inbound more and more we're going to we want people to call us like that's the number one thing that said uh, because i've been so focused on traffic and conversion right like that's the metric i look at every single morning, it's it's giving me a little anxiety. And I'm trying to figure out, like, can I get comfortable with the long-term success of, hey, all I want is leads. Like, I want people to call me. And I know once they call me, we've got a relationship. So I'm struggling personally with that. But I do think that over time, you're going to see more and more of the website be about how do you build trust and how do you build a connection? Fascinating. My brain is going, oh, I'd love to get involved in that discussion. <laughs> yeah, please. Let's talk about it. If you have any ideas. And we actually, um, we this is probably relevant here. We last year had our sales team go through gaps, gap selling training. And this year we decided to put our entire customer service team through it because we realized like, they actually need to be just as thoughtful about having consultative conversations with what might feel like a transactional conversation. So we're really taking this like, let's go deep. Let's be friends with our customers. Let's know their problems and solve their problems, whatever size they are. Could you quickly explain gap 
to us for those who don't know what it is? Yeah, yeah. Gap gap selling is a technique of selling. You know, there's so many different models and methods of selling. And we were trying to build more cohesion in our sales team of how they engage in the sales process. And we landed on Gap. Um, I don't really know why, but I think there were a couple that aligned well. This one was a good one. And the idea of it is, I always like to say, if you do gap selling really well, then you should be able to quit your sales job and become one of the best consultants ever in your industry. Because a point of gap sales is not to sell right away, but actually to spend a lot of time understanding, like, what are your customers' problems? You know, what are their gaps? And then slowly try to say, okay, well, where where and how do our products fit those gaps? Um, and so it's a very consultative, meet you where you are sort of sales technique. And it's, it fits really well with our mentality of like, we're trying to be here to educate and support. So it was the right sales technique for us. And it's worked out really well. Our sales team has loved it. And so we've moved it on to our customer experience team as well. Nice. And given how innovative a business you are and the fact you just told us that that, you know, when we talk about product, you said about how that, a lot of that innovation is driven by the customers clearly the gap model is is going to work for you because it's all about doing that research but are there any interesting innovations if I'm allowed to ask if you're willing to share that you've got coming up at the moment or that have happened recently that you're particularly excited about yeah I mean so many so I'll just a couple that I'm super excited we've talked I've talked a lot in the past about algae ink that's I would say an innovation that is now almost at the end of its life we've really taken out black algae ink which is an ink that's made with dead algae cells it's carbon sequestering and we took it from when it was just a technological idea and helped Living Inc., the inventors of that technology, commercialize it and bring it to market. And so now we're trying to bring that lens to a lot of other things. So, um, you know, making plastic out of seaweed is a concept right now. And we're working with some technology developers on that front to say, okay, what can we do to help you bring this to market? If that does this make commercial sense? We're doing a lot with diversifying the fiber basket for paper. And so almost all paper today comes from wood. It is leading the increase in demand for paper because people are shifting from plastic to paper is leading to a lot of pressure on our ancient endangered forests, which is really tragic. And it's like, once you lose them, you know, our, it's the long generations away that we're going to get these back. Um, and so like, how do we diversify the paper basket to have it so that we don't have to just rely on trees and bamboo for our paper, but we can rely on agricultural waste. So we're trying to create some ag waste paper lines that, help to diversify the fiber basket in this way. And um, we're also doing a lot of work on the reusable side, which is exciting. So working with um, a company like Armoire, which is a really cool clothing subscription brand in Washington, and they're piloting a really innovative reusable packaging model that, you know, over over just a couple uses, like six to 10 cycles, it would have the reusable packaging would have a much better carbon footprint than the poly mailers they're currently using. And so, um, so, so those are just a couple of the places where we're starting to invest in and starting to see progress. And it's really exciting to think about where the world could be on the packaging front in a couple of years. E-commerce master plan is supported by some of the greatest companies in the e-commerce sector. Here's a reminder of who they are. Are you looking for ways to incorporate SMS and MMS into your marketing strategy? Well, you should be. A great way to do it is to add marketing text to your current campaigns. And with wildly successful transaction rates up to 481% higher, birthday offers are a good place to start. Send customers a birthday offer to the channel that's almost always at hand, 
their mobile device. And if they don't make a purchase, send a follow-up text in two days' time so your message doesn't get overlooked. Get more campaign ideas and see how AI-powered marketing automation is changing e-commerce at ecmp.info forward slash bloomreach. That's ecmp.info slash B-L-O-O-M-R-E-A-C-H. Learn more with Bloomreach. Visit ecmp.info forward slash Bloomreach today. This episode is brought to you by Tidio, the top-rated customer service platform on Shopify. Tidio enables you to manage all your communication channels in one dashboard, making it super easy for your support team to handle all customer inquiries. Tidio AI helps you automate more than 40% of support responses and increases your sales by recommending products and offering discounts to your website visitors. Increase customer satisfaction and sales with personalised shopping experiences. Visit ecmp.info forward slash Tidio, that's T-I-D-I-O, and start using Tidio now. Plus, get an exclusive discount for e-commerce masterplan podcast listeners by using the promo code masterplan. It's time for the top tips round. Well, my mind is still spinning with those innovations. Ag waste paper, I am so intrigued by that. So thank you so much for those. Whilst my head stops spinning, let's do the top tips because this is one of my favourite sections of the show because it gives me and our listeners some really quick ideas for taking our businesses to the next level. So Saloni, are you ready for these? I am ready for this. Okay, the book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? Is it okay if I recommend three? Everyone recommends more than one, so three is totally fine. Okay, perfect. So my first one um, is a book called Regeneration by Paul Hawken. And it is the most inspiring book out there to help you understand that thinking about carbon sequestration and carbon neutrality is a very exciting innovation opportunity that can set businesses apart. And it's just the way he frames it is magical and and inspiring. So I'd encourage every single person to read it. Um, My second is Essentialism, which is likely more well-known amongst this group, but I am somebody who thinks I can do everything. And that book in the last six months have really changed my lens and helped me understand the power of focus. Um, And then the last is actually what I'm reading right now. It's Anti-Fragile by Talib Nassim. The book is really interesting because it really talks about this idea that um, you want to build organizations and structures and teams that are anti-fragile, which means that they become stronger when they get shook up. Um, and it's, he has a lot of really interesting examples of like systems that are anti-fragile that can wit- not just withstand shocks to the system, but actually get stronger due to shocks to the system. Um, and it really is an inspiring read for anybody trying to run a complex organization. And it also sort of changes how you might think about everything from communities to your family to government. It's just a really cool intellectual book. So those are the three that I, could, I couldn't choose between them. Nice. And um, I have to say, I haven't come across Regeneration, but the fact it's a positive book on the ecological crisis, which we need more of. Got to balance this scary stuff with the positive stuff, but um, your face lit up with positivity as you were talking about that one. So I'm going to second that all of us should definitely have a read of that. So thank you for those three, Saloni. Um, The traffic top tip, which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? 
I think it would not shock anybody to know that I folk, I think like teaching, education, content, and customer like one to one for us, but in whatever way, small group customer interactions that help make them better in whatever that it is they're doing is to me the number one way that you can build a brand in an in a way that is deep sort of for life. Like that loyalty runs deep and that is a brand sort of value that doesn't go away. It's not like paid ads, right? Where it goes away when you stop paying. So I think that I think that more and more brands should do it. And it's just, it's also the most exciting and fun way to build a business. Such a thing that's going to become ever more important as we go through the next few years as well. Um, definitely a tip for the future, that one. The tool top tip, maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app, or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day? Yeah, I was struggling which which one to choose here, but this is one that has changed my life very recently, um, which is um, there's a book called 4,000 Weeks, which is really interesting. Um, I won't go into the book, but one of the tips at the very end of that book that he says is, is that in every week or every day you might write a to-do list and that is just overwhelms you. So his recommendation, which I've taken and I've loved it, is every week write down everything you think you're supposed to get done and then write a, what he calls a closed list, which are three things. No more than three things can go on that list and you don't do anything else until you at least cross one thing off that closed list. So this approach, I can't tell you, has just changed how I think about every hour or my day. It's made me more proud of the work that I get done every day because it doesn't feel like I'm not thinking about all the things I didn't get done. I'm like, oh, I got these things done and it keeps me focused. So this idea of an open and a closed and being really disciplined about not focusing on anything except for what's in your closed list has gone such a long way in keeping me focused, engaged, excited about my days. I love that. I'm a big thinker about the fact there's so much we could do. There's always so much we could do and that success lies in what we working out what we should do. And that sounds like a great way to do that. And I particularly like the open list because you're so, so many of these models, you're not allowed to even think about the other things. And the fact you have to write, you, you know, you get to write them down as well. It's like, there's no... It's very validating. Yeah, there's no kind of like idea FOMO. Everything's still written down, but I'm only looking at... And did you see how I squeezed in a fourth book recommendation <laughs> I did, right I did. That was very <laughs> sneaky of you, but very good as well. <laughs> okay, before we end up just, just getting really into these list ideas... The last of the top tips is the carbon top tip. What's your favorite way to reduce the carbon footprint of an e-commerce store? Yeah, so it won't surprise anybody either to hear that I will just say, look around everything that you do with your product and your business and figure out if you can make the thing or buy the thing recycled. And every time you do that, you will cut your carbon footprint of that thing by 30 to 90%, depending on what material it has been made of. And so just if you just think buy recycled, buy recycled all the time, you'll be shocked at how much impact you can have in a fairly low effort way. Yeah, that's just think one thing. I think that might be our easiest carbon top tip yet. (laughs) Just think recycled. Love that. Thank you, Saloni. Um, Before we say goodbye, please, please, please let the listeners know where they can find you and your business. Yeah, great. You can find us at ecoenclose.com. Um, we're on all the social media channels, but I, I think I'd love people to go to our website where you can learn the most. And then always feel free to contact us at hello at ecoenclose.com. And we're really excited to give the listeners of this show um, a discount. So our um, if you're interested in ordering custom branded packaging, which is one of our favorite types of projects to do, we're excited to give anybody listening a first time custom branded packaging order. That's 20% 
20% off what you see on the website. So if anybody's interested in that offer, just contact hello at ecoenclose.com. Let them know that you're a show listener and we will uh, get your order going with that discount added. Wow, that is awesome. Thank you very much, everyone. Uh, hello at ecoenclose.com is the email address to get 20% off your first custom branded order with them. And make sure you mention the e-commerce master plan podcast when you do that so they know where you've come from. That's a brilliant deal. Thank you very much. And hopefully it will persuade a few more of our listeners to start using some recycled and other types of better packaging in their business. So thank you so much for that, Sloney. We really appreciate it. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I have thoroughly enjoyed chatting with you and I'm sure we've inspired many of the listeners with lots of ideas for how to make their businesses better. So thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure to chat. So loads of tips in there. Three ways, three, three key things. One on how to run an e-commerce business better. Two on how to run a B2B e-commerce business for growth. And three on how to, you know, fundamentally how to make your business more sustainable around those packaging things. I really love the the framework for sustainability that they've kind of sweated over in order to make the decision-making process in the business better um, and easier. I think that's really cool. I'm going to think on that quite a bit and try and work out how I can bring that into my business too. But loads of great stuff from Saloni there. Um, that flew by and so much good stuff and four book recommendations too. Well, before I repeat it all, uh, you can get your hands on our notes from the show, including the top tips and links to the things we mentioned by heading over to ecommercemasterplan.com or use our direct to episode short links. Just put ECMP, short for e-commerce master plan. So ecmp.info forward slash episode number into the URL bar and you will go straight to the correct episode page. How cool is that? Once you get to the website, you can also add yourself to our email list so you don't miss out on any of the many things I share to help you improve your business. And if you liked this episode, then make sure you check out our other chats with B2B e-commerce stores via ecmp.info forward slash B2B. And that's the number two. Thank you for tuning into this and every episode that you do of the e-commerce master plan podcast. I bring you a new interview every week because I want to inspire and help e-commerce business owners to succeed and thrive with their businesses including progressing along the path to carbon net zero. So if you know someone this show can help, please tell them to listen to the e-commerce master plan podcast. I hope you have an excellent week and don't forget to keep optimizing. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com slash podcast. Don't miss out. It's time you joined Chloe's e-commerce club, our free club that's all about helping you grow your e-commerce store. Join right now for free at ecmp.info forward slash club.